0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, everybody. So today, the sponsor for my podcast is my other podcast. I am launching Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. It launched Monday, October 12th, and hopefully it'll stick around for a long time. It features uh, women talking to other women about their... Journeys of their bodies and getting tips and commiseration and all the things we need so that we don't feel alone in trying to make our bodies feel better tomorrow than they do today. So check out Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And it's also a community now on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. So if you fall into that category like I do and so many of us, um, come join us. The door is open. The second episode of my week of Children's Book Blast is by Kathy Lee Gifford. It's called Hello, Little Dreamer. FYI, Kathy Lee also has another book that's coming out in December called It's Never Too Late: Make the Next Act of Your Life the Best Act of Your Life, and she wrote that with Dolly Parton, and it's coming out in December and we touched on that in this interview as well, but just stay on the lookout for that. But today we're mostly talking about Hello Little Dreamer. Kathy Lee Gifford is a four-time Emmy Award winner. Is best known for her 11 years co-hosting the popular Fourth Hour of the Today Show alongside Hoda. Gifford continues to pursue her dreams as an actress, singer, songwriter, playwright, producer, and most recently director. She has authored numerous books, including her most recent children's book, aside from this one, called "The Gift That I Can Give," and four New York Times best-selling books, including "The Rock," "The Road," and "The Rabbi."
1: Hi, is this Ivy? Yes. Hi, I'm sorry. I'm this is Kathy. I'm sorry. We were having some trouble getting through to you, but here I am. How are you oh, today?
0: I'm sorry. Good. How about you? I'm good now that I've got you. <laughs> you know, you, so- you 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 have a little
1: panic. I gotta be honest. And then then I, again, then you're good.
0: <laughs> I feel like everybody who joins my show is like recovering. It's like PTSD because it's always so many technical issues getting on Skype or Zoom or whatever. So oh I get it. <laughs> gosh,
1: you know, I've been a live performer my entire life. I do not respond well to this world. <laughs>
0: I, just I do bet. Not. I I'm bet. I'm too
1: old for all of this. <laughs> oh, anyway. Thank you for having me today.
0: Oh, well, thanks for coming on. I am so excited to talk to you about your many exciting projects you have going on, starting with Hello Hello, Little Dreamer, which I read out loud to my two littlest kids, and they just loved it. So thank you for that entertainment for my family. I'm so happy
1: to hear that. You know, I mean, it's been a long time since I had little ones, you know, but I'm still a little kid at heart, I guess. So I don't know. I... I'm grateful to hear that from you because that's the whole point. You know, we, we wait too long with our children I think, to, to instill extraordinarily important values, the most important things, the most important truths. We wait too long. Frank and I rarely fought over things, but the one thing we disagreed on was how long we should wait for our little ones to learn how to say please and thank you and, and I love you and I'm sorry and all those things that you, you're going to need in life <laughs> many times, right? Yeah. <laughs> And he so, said, Kathy's only two. He, D- Cody's two. I said, yeah, and pretty soon he'll be 12. And it'll be too late.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the thing. And now I have the
1: most polite children. You will be, you, they, they floor everybody. Cassidy was terrible because she just took it so to heart. And I said, Cassidy, and to both of them, you say please, or you do not get it. You say thank you, or, you, or I take it back. Then we start all over again. And so they believed me. Well, Cass was better at it. No, Cody was really good. I mean, when, I, when when in the middle of the night, when he would go potty, and I didn't care if he hit the toilet or not, I just wanted him to say thank you after I got back with him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he'd wake up and he'd go, Mommy, potty, please, potty, please. Potty, please. And I'd go, yes, I gotcha. Then I'd put him back to sleep. He'd go, thank you, thank you, <laughs> you know, so I don't know, Cody, Cody, Frank came to believe that it was true, but Cassidy took it way further than that. And we'd be at a restaurant or something and she'd give her order and she'd go, thank you. <laughs> and, and the waitress wouldn't respond or the waiter and Cassidy would go, thank you. She'd just keep yelling it. <laughs> until finally the waiter or waitress would go, you're welcome, kid. Gee, you know, or, or they'd walk away and Cassidy would look at me and go, they didn't say you're welcome. I mean, she was, she was insane about it. So wow.
0: Well,
1: I, was, I guess mean, I did go a little overboard. No,
0: at least you did your job. Well, I mean, you know, check plus on that.
1: Well, I, I was raised that way and I can't stand, you know, little brats grow into bratty adults. They just do. If nobody takes them aside and teaches them what's right, and I'm not saying how to vote and how to believe in your, you know, whatever. I'm just talking about the basic decency, courtesy things. Yeah. And kids today just have not been taught them from what I see. And some have. And it's so rare that I go, gee, somebody raised you right, you know. But it's, you know, it's been lost it's- in our culture like so many other things.
0: I think it takes like a relentless focus on it because you can't just say like, all right, say please and thank you. It's every single interaction when they say it, you have to like catch it and say, thanks for saying please or whatever. And then you have to catch it when That's they do That's right. You got to like reinforce constant, it. Constant. So, yes. yes. Reinforcement.
1: <laughs> I call it resent resentless.
0: Yes. Oh, I love <laughs> resentless that. Resentless because... <laughs> because they're going to
1: resent you, but you got to be res- relentless about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm,
0: I'm coming to you for all my parenting advice from now on when I'm feeling like oh. all my, all my uh, reinforcement is making no difference. I'll, I'll remember that no. you know, it actually oh, works oh, it, over time. It,
1: it, <laughs> no, it totally will. It's a guarantee. The Lord, the Bible says, you know, raise up your children in the way they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. And I've seen that with my children. Oh gosh, whether one of them's 30 and one's 27 now. And Oh uh, you know i had my son's getting married in two weeks. my daughter got oh. married two months ago, so it's a it's a whole new world, but if they don't teach their their children these common courtesies, grandma will will grandma I want to be called grandma will teach them gladly <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's exciting to have so many huge milestones happening in your life all at the same time. that's great well, I
1: think people tend to. Thank you. I think people tend to believe that you know, because of COVID, the world has come to a standstill. And that's not true at all. Certain things have, of course, but, but God's spirit is, has never stopped moving. And the Holy Spirit's never stopped moving in our own lives. So uh uh-uh, there's lots of good stuff to be seen and to be experienced if we, if we have our spiritual antenna out for it. God is doing great and mighty things in spite of it all, just as he has through all of time. He never changes. It's the world that changes and people that change, but never, never got himself.
0: You know, I was actually, my, my mother-in-law right now, and I know this will air later when, who knows what will have happened, but my mother-in-law is in the the ICU with COVID and has been sort of suffering for a while. Thank you. And she's only 63 and all the rest. But I have been asking like so many people to pray and to reach out. It doesn't matter what religion and whatever. And when I was reading Hello Little Dreamer and what, you know, on your Instagram and your whole sort of faith and, and determine, you know, even, in the book, how your neighbor sold you the house because they just felt it from God, and and anyway, I was like, "There's yes. a reason why I'm talking to Kathy Lee Gifford today when I have like so yeah. much God <laughs> in my life at the moment." So anyway,
1: no, <laughs> oh, well, I'm sitting on that same porch right now that, uh, and I was talking to the, to her yesterday wow. because she's just now moving into the home that they recently built. They could have moved in in April, but the COVID kept them at their their lake place. But in that, yeah, a great friendship came from that, and I'm literally five feet from the spot where she yelled out to me on my, uh, on my little doubt balcony across the way. And it's just a miraculous, I didn't put this in the book because it was like too much, but I mean, really what happened, as soon as I bought the house from them, I was walking home to my brownstone and to call my, my real estate guy to say, okay, I got to put mine on the market now. When my dear friend Angie, whom if you've read that book, obviously said, Kathy, don't, don't call your real estate agent. And I said, Why? She says, I think I have a buyer for your, your, yours. I went, I just bought the other one five seconds ago. <laughs> and she goes, no, no, no. Can they come by this afternoon? And I went, yeah. These people came by and bought it immediately for $100,000 more than I had bought it the six months before.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, God yes. knows. It. So the miracle, but nobody would believe that, you know, and I don't want to wow. make people feel bad like their, their prayers aren't answered or something. But I thought it was enough of a miracle that these, these people, you know, sold me their home just because God said, sell it. Sell it to yeah. Kavile. Yeah. And, and, and I, I cannot, oh, the blessing it has been since. It's just extraordinary. So when I'm tempted to have a pity party, you know, which we all are in this world, I just, I just look around and I go, really, Kathy Lee, you're going to have a pity party Would you, are you forgetting all of God's faithfulness to you through 67 years of life? Really? So you can have a pity party right now? And I just, you know, oh, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. You know, because look at the Israelites. They weren't the Israelites then. They were the Hebrews. They had no sooner had the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea than they get across you know, Pharaoh's chariots are deep in the water. They've been redeemed from, from, from slavery and they want to go back. They want the food they miss. You know, and I go, Lord, I'm no different from them. So I want my husband back. I want my youth back. I want that back. I want all these things back. And God goes, Are you not going to finish this race with me? Are you not going to go forward, Kathy? I don't go backward. I go forward. You going with me or not? And I feel so ashamed of myself at times. I mean, not. Not like condemned, but just reminded, reminded. No, I am the God of forward. He is with us presently and he is always leading us forward by his counsel. And he leads us ultimately to glory, the word says. So I don't want to go back really. It's just at times when we're weak and we, are, we never stop being weak at times. That never, ever happened. We're, as, we, as, our, as we perish inwardly, I mean outwardly, in our bodies and our, our world decays and everything else. You know, we are being renewed on a daily basis for eternity's sake. And I, it's just easy to forget that, you know, and especially when they're, everybody's facing so many hard times today. They really are. That's the other thing the Lord reminds me of, Zibby, all the time, that, oh, Kathy, some people are truly suffering. Let's remember them. Cry out for them. I see you. I see your needs. I know them without you speaking them. Trust me with those as you, always, as you have in the past, and, and really lift up those who are, are, are desperate, desperate for my help. I've got more friends right now. I don't know if it's because of my age, but more friends that are on life support or needing an operation or going into chemo who've had, I think it's, it's the most at one time. I've got the longest prayer list of, of people that truly need healing. There's always one or two in our lives, you know, that are mm-hmm. facing those things. But it's, it's, it's a much longer list now. And a lot of it is because of COVID, although I have not lost a friend to it yet. I, pray, I praise God for that. I know people who have been lost to it, but they, none of my dear friends have been lost to it. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm sorry for your, your mother-in-law, you said, is she going to be all right?
0: I don't know. I hope so. I I pray that she will, but we'll see. But I didn't. I'm sorry to too. If you're right. I mean, not at all. So many people are suffering, and I'm sorry. Your list is so long on your prayer list right now, and I. That's that,
1: okay. So That's okay. People, but, it,
0: but you know, one of God the things, is there for them. One of the things I found with your your book, "It's Never Too Late," and even "Hello, Little Dreamer," is all of your emphasis on what's coming next. Right, like what it's never too late. It's perfect, right? Like the dreams that you right. want, you know, you left <laughs> the fourth hour of today's show to, to pursue your dreams now. It's like so inspiring. You want to be, you want to like go off in a whole different direction. Ta- tell me a little bit about like why it's never too late to dream and and how much life is left, your whole sort of theory <laughs> on life. Tell me a little
1: bit well, about it. Well, life is left until we run out of it you know if i wake up in the morning and i have a pulse that means i still have a purpose that god wants me to fulfill and i think a lot of people give up on life when they think that nobody needs them anymore there is no reason to get up in the morning and and or they don't have the energy for it anymore and you know i was just praying to the lord the other day you know i said lord if you're done with me then take me home i'm ready you know I, I get I get very exhausted from things and, and and discouraged and disappointed like everyone does, even if somebody looks at my life and it looks like it's full and it's vibrant and it's and it often often is I still have those moments where I just go, okay, I'm done Lord I'm done take me home I'm ready and I have a beautiful home I've been blessed with beautiful homes for a long long time, but this is not my ultimate home and you know I'm a widow now and there's there's that always that ever-present gnawing at your soul that you're, that you're, you know, you're alone and that I'm not alone. I mean, it's a constant, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, I, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, who, who which little voice are you going to listen to, you know? And I can look around and say, yes, I'm, I, my husband is not here with me. My children have moved on to their lives, but I'm not alone. I have the Holy Spirit present within me. I have the, his presence all around me in my friends and in my, in my work. I'm doing more important work now, I believe, than I've ever done in life. With the encouragement I'm trying to be to others, in terms of especially the word of God, with the books that I'm writing, the Rock Road and Rabbi series, which we're time for two more of those. And because that, that is meeting a, a, a deep hunger, in in the world, and nobody's more surprised than I am. I thought there was complete, not complete, but almost complete, total illiteracy about the scriptures, and that people just weren't interested in growing in their faith, and I was, that, that book has been, surprise, super bestseller, and much to my delight, because it shows that people are hungry for the word of God. And when people, you can't fly to Israel anymore, but right before COVID, it was the most purchased and most read books on all the planes going into Israel of uh, people of every faith. They were reading it in, in, in anticipation of going to the Holy Land and, and, and studying, which just, oh. Uh, is such a blessing because uh, my faith was lukewarm for many years because I wasn't being fed either in church or through the word of God now why wasn't I because I wasn't reading the true word of God because I was reading bad translations and I was going to churches where they weren't preaching the true word of God and it's it's just so simple go to the source and the source is what's going to refresh you the source is what's going to empower you and the source is the old testament in the hebrew and the new testament in the greek and if you're not learning that and not memorizing that and not quoting that and not and not building your life on that you are you're building it on sinking sand your whole life and i need a solid rock underneath my feet because i will go astray without it i will and i'm just like anybody else that's just human And what the the fire that 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 lit in me when I started studying rabbinically was profound, profound. And so I wrote the first oratorio, The God Who Sees, with my friend, you know, the beautiful and talented Nicole C. Mullen. That led to three more oratorios, which I'm now about to start filming next week. I filmed the first. The first new wow. scenes from the the new oratorios, we hope to have them done by the end of the year, and that will be one and a half hours of symphonic oratorios. Wow. They called the way, called the way that we hope to uh, we hope to give us a gift to the world next Easter. That's so awesome. that'll be two years basically after I left the Today show. Um, I've got two more books I told you that we're signing for, the two books coming out. My movie that I did with Craig Ferguson, Ben you is finally coming out in a month from now yeah, in theaters. Exciting. If theaters are open, it'll be in theaters. If they aren't open, it'll be, you know, being streamed. So, yes, that, that's been, you know, in my back view mirror for rearview mirror for too long I'm I'm, you know it's been two years since we wrapped it and you know finding the right distributor especially in the world of COVID has been challenging but that's happening yeah I almost feel like I was singing on the first day of Christmas you know because it's like four da 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 three da 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 two da da -da, (laughs) and a partridge and a pear tree I mean it's just like it's overwhelming I woke up this morning I said okay I know I have three interviews today what are they for? (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, the poor Lord, remind me <laughs> which project. Oh <laughs> no, it's
0: um, well, fun. It,
1: it all just like
0: speaks to your, your whole point, which is that there's so much more to common life. I just wanted to read this one little passage from your book because it's so inspiring. You said, if you're my age or getting close, it's probably been a long time since you last thought back to those days when you had dreams of what or who you wanted to be when you grew up. But it's time, friend. It's time to ask yourself, what would I do if I could? Toss out the phrases I can't and I don't know how and start dreaming about the what if that might get you off that couch and back into something you want to do. Maybe me sharing my story right. will give you some perspective um, and do that for you. And then you say, are you ready? It's never too late to dream. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. Right. I love it
1: well thank you but be, but it's because it's true. And when you study the scripture, you realize that that dreams are an intricate part of your of your inner being. You know we I believe that, that the, the scripture is flawless, and God used people dreaming and their and their dreams all throughout the history to impact culture and to impact lives, millions of lives and and, and their, God has not stopped placing dreams in people's hearts. As we said before, he doesn't change. So baby, women who are pregnant right now with their children, God is at work in that secret place the Bible talks about, in the darkness of the inner womb, which is a sacred place, a sacred place. I wish our culture and our world understood how sacred that is. Uh, you know, God is at the, at the moment of conception through I um, think there's a line in my new oratorio, the God of the House, when it says, oh, Lord, you were there before the world began. You, cre- you created everything, each woman, every man. You placed, what is it? You wrote their stories in their mother's wombs, and then you carried them from their cradles to their tombs. And it's true. The God of creation, Jehovah Elohim, never stops creating, and every morning of every human being's life, whether they are just being born or they're, in, they're dying, is an act of creation by Father God, Jehovah Elohim, which in Hebrew means creator God. And if we, if we can look at our lives with that perspective, it gives each moment purpose. Every moment has purpose because the great, think about it, the greatest day of a a believer's life is the day that God calls them home. The greatest day. It's not a tragedy. It's a triumph. It's a triumph. And that's why I could hold my dead husband in my arms and cry tears of joy and rejoicing. Not because I was glad my husband was dead. I was thrilled to know where my husband was now. And, with, and, and and who he was with. And you can't do anything but rejoice when you truly understand that, that scriptural truth. He will lead us on to glory. We either believe that or we don't. And, and so grief is, is an important thing. But um, I, don't, I don't allow myself to stay in grief. I allow myself to grieve appropriately And then I make myself move on in the promise of the future. I have to, because the the evil one would keep us there. The evil one would love to keep us in grief because we're paralyzed and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. And the word in the Greek for that word abundantly is the word zoe, Z-O-E, which means beyond. It cannot be contained. It overflows. It cannot be withheld. And that's what I want for my life as long as I am alive, Zoe. And, I, uh, and when it's not there, it's because I've moved away from God, not the other way around. My life is about God's faithfulness to me, not my faithfulness to God, because I have failed him way too many times. I'll fail him today in one way or another, but I don't stay there. I stay there in the promise of yes, but that's why you still need me, Kathy. You still need me. And uh, it's um, it's more of us sort of placed ourselves as Paul did, you know. That in my weakness, he is made strong. You know, even Paul was, you know, one of the greatest, the greatest apostle ever. And I think a close second would be Billy Graham, <laughs> as far as, as in terms of how how the impact of a one life on on the world. I mean, there was Martin Luther. There were Billy Graham. There were those who truly changed the course of history. And uh, But we could all change the course of some people's, somebody's history. We can do it right now. Today is the day of salvation, you know?
0: So how did you, just quickly, I know we're almost out of time, but you were born. We are? I I know, I know. It's like, oh, so fast. I had like a thousand more things to ask you. But um, I was just curious, you were born Jewish, if I have this right. And you even called your dad um, sitting Shiva because he was part, is that right? Like, Tell me about yes, this and how you, how you became, I guess, uh, such a devout Christian. How, like, what happens? Well,
1: first of all, I'm not devout.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm
1: really not. I would say I'm a very bad follower of Jesus who was perfect. <laughs> okay. I'm not. All right.
0: Maybe that's the wrong <laughs> word. you
1: know what I'm saying. Okay, let me say I'm a pa- sinc- passionate.
0: Not devout, passionate. How about that? Is that better? Uh, that's great.
1: Okay. And I'm, I'm sincere. I'm a okay. sincere follower of Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. And I don't belong to any church body. I belong to the church, which means ecclesia in Greek. It doesn't mean a a building. It's fine to be a member of that, but I don't identify that way. I am a follower of of Yeshua, the the Messiah. Now, my father was Jewish. His father was a a Russian Jewish immigrant, but my mother was born also of immigrants. Her father was an immigrant from Canada, but she was not of Jewish race. Uh, And, you know, there's a Jewish faith and then there's a Jewish race. My father was not raised in the Jewish faith, but he was born of a Jewish man. And so I was raised in both cultures to some extent, mostly my mother's culture in America. My father did not grow up going to temple or a synagogue at all, but he was stoned. I think I talk a little bit about that. In, in the, he was, rocks were thrown at him, and he was called a Christ killer when he was still a child. It was awful. You know, and anti-Semitism is still rampant and growing in our world today, along with all racism. It just is. And I think we've come a long way, but we have a much longer way still to go to understand that all God's children are precious. So Jesus died for everyone, even the ones who are stoning him today and crucifying him yet today and blaspheming him yet today. Doesn't matter. He says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He's still the same. You know, Hebrews thirteen eight Right. Anyway, yeah. So my father was the first in our family to actually come to know Jesus, but he didn't tell us about that until much, much later. He was eight years old when he went down to an African-American little church in the middle of the summer and to go to vacation Bible school because his mother said, get out of this house, you little Hellions. <laughs> Basically, it was hot and she was, she was, they were in her way and dry. And I said, go down to that little church. And my daddy did. And at the age of eight years old, asked Jesus into his heart. So, yes. And and I believe, I tell the story in the book of how my father forgave his first, his father and said, I forgive you, pop. And I think a great blessing fell upon my father and his family at that time, because there is such a thing as generational sin, unconfessed sin is passed on in terms of the repercussions of sin, not the original sin of it, but the repercussions of it. You know, we're passed on genetically. Things like alcoholism, things like, you know, I, I don't know. We're discovering more and more and more what's what is genetic. And but 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 God, who is the God of genetics, can also change things. God, I've seen God work so many miracles that looked like no way there was hope for this situation, no way. Well, God is the God of hope. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it is it Romans 15, uh, 13 or Romans fifteen seventeen? I think it says. Oh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope is alive and well today on planet Earth, and his, his hope is available for every single person who calls upon the name of Jesus. I believe that with my heart and soul, and, I, and nothing will change it. There is no, Nothing will change that. Yeah. So it didn't stand in my father's way that he was born to a Jewish father. And I think it's God used it powerfully in me later on the first time I went to the Holy Land and um, was so moved by the fact that I I felt a sense of ancient understanding, ancient knowing. I came from here. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I came from here. I'm born. I'm a daughter of Abraham. And, and, and it, was, it, it compelled me going forward to want to know his word, to want to visit the land where it all happened. And, and more and more as I studied, more and more there was a fire in my gut to pronounce it, proclaim it, and, and explain it. The more I came to understand by teachers who know far more than I know, I had to share it or I'd burst. I did it last night and then I am second. I didn't know anybody was going to call on me. I went, she goes, will you share a word? And I said, my friend Angie, I said, well, I don't have a word, but I will, I know the word, so I'll <laughs> proclaim what he's told me. And I, under the power of the Holy Spirit, started speaking. I have no idea what I said. <laughs> I never write a speech. Whether I never, I just, I just, in him, we live and move and have our being, the scripture says in Acts. And if we just trust that God will use us. God will fulfill us. God will continue that redeeming work he does in his people every day, renewing and refreshing and restoring. All the Re's are done by the Holy Spirit. All the D's are done by Satan. Hmm. Destruct, destroy, disillusion. All those are of, of, try to notice them, recognize them in your life and come against them with the R's. I've come to restore, I've come to redeem, I've come to refresh
0: okay. and, <laughs> and make all things new. Okay, wait, come back to the book for two seconds here. <laughs> let, let me just okay. Ask, okay, let me just ask about writing for you. Because I wanted just to know okay. what the writing process was like. You write children's books, you've written memoirs, you've done advice, you've done so many things. What's your process like when you write? And then what advice would you have for aspiring authors?
1: Uh, I think everybody's process is different. I wrote my first book when I was 18 years old and I'd forgotten that I'd written it and it had been a bestseller. That's how much I didn't think I was a writer. Hmm. I'd remind myself, oh my gosh, that's right. My first book was called The Quiet Riot and it had three printings. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) I was so busy being an actress and a singer and pursuing those dreams. I literally forgot about it. (laughs) And now that's 20 books ago. Yeah, everybody's got a book in them because everyone has a story. Whether they write it down or journal it, whatever, everyone's story is precious to God. He wrote our stories in our mother's womb, and then he carries us from our cradles to our tombs. He never stops writing our story. So my process is letting the Holy Spirit move and not trying to control it. I often wake up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, get up, go down and let the process begin open be a channel be a channel for my creative energy and my creative juices to flow through you because I can't do anything on my own but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so I sit down not knowing what the lord has for me and then I thrill to it and sometimes it's a broadway show sometimes it's a lyric just a lyric i write a song or half a song of the lyrics to thousands of songs or it's part of a book that becomes a book or it's as you say just I've written jingles for commercials. I write constantly. My friend gave me a a placard in my office that says, 80% of the words in my brain are are lyrics. (laughs) You know, because life is a song. You know, all of creation sings out to the creator, and I'm just part of creation. So I try to get out of God's way. I truly do. And there are many, many times, I can't even count them, that I have written a lyric And I write it down and I can't get it out fast enough. And I stop and I look up and I go, you are unbelievable. Because it's a perfect lyric. It's a perfect rhyme. It's a perfect lyric. It says perfectly what I need my character to say or I want to say in whatever I'm writing. And I know it doesn't. I know a, a good song when I write one, but I know an anointed one when God writes one. And more and more and more, I want the anointing. I want the anointing. Yeah. And I'm writing with the finest writers in the world now, uh, in, down here in, in Nashville. And it's, it's a tremendous privilege that they've embraced me the way they have, because I certainly have never been known as a songwriter. But I've been writing songs since I was 20 years old, and I just never did it in a professional way until I started writing really for theater. And that's just been, you know, my Broadway show, even though it wasn't certainly not a hit by far, not at all. I was a disaster basically on Broadway. It was Tony nominated. It was Tony nominated. I don't know how to write Broadway shows. I don't know how to write oratorios. I don't know how to write books. But God knows how. So if I just put myself in his hands, he uses me to do those things. I didn't get it. I left college. I left college before I graduated and I sat there for three weeks and wrote my first book, waiting on God to see where he would lead me. And he led me straight to Hollywood right after I finished that book, thinking that nobody would ever read it except my daughter. if I was blessed to have one one day and look at, look at what the Lord has done in, in, the, in the ensuing years. That was in 1975, Wow. 1975. Uh-huh.
0: So what would you tell uh-huh. someone else who's just starting out? What would you tell an aspiring author?
1: I would say, go back to your earliest memories and ask the Lord to show you what your dreams were. If you've forgotten them, show him. He'll, re- he'll restore those. He will redeem it all. He wants to. He is the redeemer of all things, and he wants to make all things fresh and new. He says, look what I do. Behold, do you not see what I'm doing? Open your eyes, basically. I am making, you know, a garden from the wasteland, streams in the desert. All of those things are still inside you, no matter what the world has thrown at you. He says, I have overcome the world. They take courage. The word for courage, when he says, let not your heart be troubled, take courage. The word is Kana, meaning Cana. What was his first? That town of Cana is known as the, the place where Jesus performed his first miracle. He demonstrated his glory in a way that was profoundly human, you know, to to, to supply a human need for a glorious celebration of two people becoming one in God's sight. And, and and God still celebrates and all that. I'm celebrating two weddings right now in my children's lives. It's a, and we don't have as many people at them, but we're celebrating and we're serving my wine now, my, my family wine, my, my, you know, I have a, fam, a line of wine. And I just think how glorious of the Lord. Yeah. But but the dreams that, that I, as a, as a mother, as I was carrying these children to birth God was doing a great and profound work of creation in my children's inner beings that will continue long after I am gone. And I praise God for that. I don't worry about my children's future because God holds their futures in his hands. Long after my hands have gone on to embrace him, my God will be there for my children and their future generations. That's a promise straight from, straight from the word of God. And I cling to his promises,
0: wow. This has been such an interesting conversation. I've loved hearing you talk yeah. about all your beliefs and passions and convictions and experiences. oh and, thank you. um, thank you for sharing them with me and my listeners and thank I look you forward to everything you have coming for coming ahead. so thank you oh you're
1: you're dear. Thank you so much, and bless those sweet little ones of yours in Jesus okay. name.
0: Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. God
1: bless. And your mother-in-law, sweetie. And your
0: mother-in-law. Please, you. Lord, heal Thank her. you so much. Okay, I mean, okay. Good Enjoy talking with you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed day three of the book blast. I hope you listened to the whole week of episodes. Share some with your kids, too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to check out my new podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. Pretty soon, moms won't have time to listen to podcasts. And check out the Instagram community that goes along with it. And if you would like to join, please request to join. It's for anyone who wants to feel body better in their body tomorrow than they do today. And it's a supportive group of like-minded souls who just need the community to achieve their goals. Moms don't have time to lose weight. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.